0: Say hello to your neighbors before you sit down this morning. On, sir. Hey, you? Good, good. We're glad to have all of you here today. Thank you much for being a part of our services. I know we have some visitors because they're friends, longtime friends. The Briscoes are sitting in the back. We're, we're right up here. We're thrilled to have you guys. We had some folks that had to leave They have here visiting for family, but we're thrilled to have all of you who are visiting with us. Glad to have our regular members here. It's always good when the family gets together. Any of you been to family reunion lately? They're kind of fun, unless it's the in-laws. No, I'm teasing. They're kind of good too. No, it's great to be with a family. It's always good to be with a church family. Appreciate so much you guys being here. Um, Before I get into the lesson, I have something I wanna share with you. A Couple of people have encouraged me and asked me to do this, and I actually, I finally did it, I actually wrote a book. Believe it or not. It's called Reflecting Glory and uh, some of these stories you've heard, some of them you haven't heard. It's available on Amazon. If you want to go buy it, you can, but if you wait a couple of weeks, I'll have a copy here for you. Uh, I've ordered a bunch of copies for the members here, so I'll have those here in a couple of weeks. Um, I I especially want to call out Mike right over here at Cogswell. We were in a meeting with the elders, he came and talked to us a few months ago, actually probably six or eight months ago now, and uh, he just put me on the spot. He said, Ed, you need to write a book. And so I, I took him at his word. I appreciate so much his encouragement. I had others that did as well. I thank my son who lives in San Diego with whom I get to have lunch today. He's in town and going down to Oceanside to have lunch with him. But he kind of kicked me and said, Dad, you need to do this. Um, just a little side note. Six years ago last June, my dad passed away from colon cancer. And I didn't know this about my father until after he was gone. My mom was cleaning out some stuff and he, she, she found a notebook of poems that he had written. And I don't know exactly where the poems are today. Hopefully she's still got the book. I don't know. Uh, But I didn't know that my dad really enjoyed poetry. And I sure didn't know he wrote poetry. Uh, And so I didn't, I I remember in the front of the book in acknowledgments I made reference to my dad and his love for that. And I remember hearing a couple of men who who were famous speakers make the statement, you don't want to die with your music still in you. And I didn't want to die with these stories still in me. And there's a few more. I just haven't written them yet. Uh, And they're still out there and they're still to be written. But uh, I hope as you have an opportunity to read this in a couple of weeks that you'll enjoy it as much as I enjoyed writing it. And you'll share it and go on Amazon and make a review and all that fun stuff. And somewhere, somehow, somebody knows how to market this thing, because I don't. That's all I have to say about that. So I'll, I'll count on all of you to do that. So this morning we're gonna talk about Waiting Patiently. That's the title of the lesson. I don't know if any of you see the, uh, the little pictures and the advertisements that Mike Capusta, our IT guy, puts on the internet, but he had a picture on the internet this week with my sermon title, Waiting Patiently, and he had a picture of California DMV. Any of you <laughs> see that? Yeah. If there were ever a caption or picture that caught the essence of this lesson, that's probably one of them. Because if any of you have been to the California Department of Motor Vehicles, you know that patience is absolutely a virtue that one must have if he or she is gonna stand in that line. The last time I went, I, I was over in San Pedro, and I had the privilege of waiting in line two and a half hours to get inside and be given a little red ticket. Well, the state of California doesn't issue red tickets. They use a computer system. But for some strange morning, that computer system had decided to crash. And so they were just bringing us in one at a time to give us a red ticket. And it took me two and a half hours to get a red ticket. And then I got to wait in the the office there, at least sitting in a chair for another hour and a half so they could call my number to go give them my red ticket so I could wait longer. It was amazing. (laughs) Patience is a virtue. By the way, did you know that that expression, patience is a virtue, is really not even in the Bible? It really isn't. Um, How many of you know who Chaucer is? There was an expression that Chaucer wrote in one of his fables, I forget which one, that was alluded to that. And there are a couple of other guys from the early, mid to late 1300th century that wrote something to the essence that patience is a virtue. But it's not exactly in the Bible that way. But I think once you see what we're going to chat about this morning, you realize that even though that expression, patience is a virtue, is not in the Bible, I think you'll be able to embrace it well enough to know that truly, patience is a virtue, that it would be better if all of us had more of than less of. I learned a long time ago, though, that if you're going to ask for patience, you have to be careful for what you ask. You do know that, yes? Because when you ask God for something, especially if you ask him for patience, guess what he gives you? Trials and tribulations. Because the only way one will ever learn any patience is if you go through stuff. That's it. The only way you and I can ever get stronger at anything is if we work in something that makes us stronger. I, uh, I, my next-door neighbor uh, came home from, a, he's been gone about a week and a half, and before he left town, he left uh, a 240-pound little hand, I don't know what you call them, hand what, barbells? They're not barbells, but they're, yeah, whatever they are. I don't use them often enough to know what they're called. But he left two 40-pounders and two 20-pounders sitting outside, and so I put them away for them because they were doing a little inspection. And I didn't, So I put them away. I saw them this morning. I said, oh, by the way, I, I, I moved your, your barbells, and I put them in the locker. And he grabbed my arm. He said, oh, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, that 20-second workout did me a lot of good. I used to go to the gym. I did. I used to go to the gym in 1992. I went to the gym. A guy that was going to church with us, his name was Tim. He was a pilot with Delta. Uh, We called him Captain Safety, and that's a whole other story about which I should write someday and put in a book, to be honest with you. But nonetheless, Tim and I would go to the gym, and I I actually really did start getting a little bit of firmness here, and then I quit. And it just went away, and I've tried a time or two since, and it just doesn't. But see, the only way you and I get stronger in anything is to do that which makes us stronger. So patience truly is something. If you want more of it, you just better be ready for what God gives you. Because he's going to give you circumstances and situations in your lives that will allow you to experience the joy and the wonder of learning how to be patient. That's just what God does. He doesn't just open up our brains and pour something in. He allows us to experience things and to grow in things and to become mature in things so that as we grow older, we truly, God willing, do become a little wiser and we're able to relate to things just a little bit better than we used to. I reminded you last week that in order for our minds to ever clear themselves, sometimes we have to be still. In the same way that muddy water can only be still when it's, can only be clear when it's allowed to be still. You and I need to be still at times. And this stillness allows God to have his way with us and allows him to work in our hearts and on our minds in such a way that we truly can see things just a little bit more clearly than maybe we had seen them before. And so this morning, I want us to to reflect on that a few minutes and I want us to think about the fact that we have to have patience Because if we're waiting for our minds to clear, if we're waiting for the muddy water to clear, it takes some patience in order for that to happen. We have to be willing to wait. Muddy water is best cleared by leaving it all alone. Just be still. Just be still. There are times when we need to just be quiet and be still. The psalmist writes that be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And I think that's an expression that probably all of us during, during different times in our lives should embrace maybe even more often than we've embraced them in the past. The psalmist writes several things about not fretting in this passage in Psalm 37 because there's something about fretting and worrying and being concerned and over anxious about things that seems to have this interference with the ability to be still. Any of you ever had this experience, you go to bed at night and there's something going on in your life, maybe it's your child, maybe it's the work, maybe it's the relationship with the one that you're living with, your husband, your wife, but there's something going on in your world that is just a little bit off-center. And it's just a little bit out of balance. And you lay in bed and you think and you think and you think and the thoughts of that keep coming back and for some reason you just can't go to sleep. Has anyone ever experienced that other than me? Yeah. And that's not an uncommon thing for people. It's not an uncommon thing for us. The sad part is, oftentimes when we lay there and think about it, our mind has this terrible habit of turning it into absolutely the worst possible experience that we could imagine it to be. Have you ever had the thought about, you know, especially those of us who've been married for a long time and we're growing older together and we think about losing our spouses someday because guess what, we're all going to get older and one of these days we're going to pass away. Have you ever wondered what that might be like and and then all of a sudden you think, oh, there's a terrible car wreck. Where did that come from? Our minds just have this way of playing these games with us. And we think sometimes the craziest thoughts, we have the wildest things happen. And so the psalmist encourages us not to fret about things. He says, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon wither. Don't fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Don't fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked... Did I write that twice? I did that really well, didn't I? Don't worry about the other stuff. I learned a long time ago. I don't know if this is biblical But I learned a long time ago, this is my belief about people that are wicked, that do horrible, no good, very bad things, but it seems that everything in life goes their way. I've decided that God lets good things happen to bad people because He knows what's coming. He controls judgment day. You know what I'm getting at? There's going to come a day when those who seem to have everything in the world going great for them, but who have totally and completely rejected God, they're going to have to stand before God. And they're going to have to give an accounting for all of the things that they've done. And if they haven't accepted Christ, there's this thing that God is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And he's going to cast them out. Where well, there'll be this thing called this weeping and gnashing of teeth, and it's a horrible existence, and it's a horrible experience for the rest of eternity. These people are going to be out there. But in this world, they had it made. They had it made. And I think sometimes, this is just me, this is just me, this is not biblical necessarily, but I'm thinking, God is such a merciful God, he's allowing them to have a great life here because he knows what eternity has to hold for them. Ever been there? And then I look at people sometimes that are believers, and they're struggling, and they keep struggling, and they keep struggling, and they keep struggling, and I'm thinking, hmm, that's okay, because I know... On the other side, there's a mansion that's prepared. And there are streets of gold. And there are walls of jasper. And there are amazing things that are awaiting us to be in the presence of God. And we will spend all of eternity in a place of peace and bliss and joy. And there'll be no more pain and no more tears and no more sorrows and no more any horrible, no good, very bad things. It'll be a wonderful, wonderful place. And God in his infinite mercy and his grace and his justice and his sense of purpose for us allows us to experience those things. Do not fret because it only leads to evil. When you and I worry about things, when we fret about things, when we think of of these terrible things that are going on, more often than not, our minds will take us to a bad place. And God doesn't need you in a bad place. If we're not going to fret, then what are we supposed to do? Well, the psalmist writes about this. He says, look, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safety, safe pasture. Trust in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that amazing that the psalmist would write that? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of his heart. So what is it that you want? What are the desires of your heart? Think about that. Every time I hear this expression, the desires of one's heart, I think about David when he's hiding in the cave and the men who hear him make the statement, oh, how I'd long for a drink from the well, and they sneak out and they go down to the well in Jerusalem and they bring him water back. That is one of the greatest expressions of the desire of one's heart. And that is the kind of desire that God has for us. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but what? That all, all, A-L-L, everyone should, should, not will, not absolutely have, but they should come to what? Repentance. Does everybody do that? Are you kidding me? No. But it is the desire of God's heart that all would come to repentance. He wants you to come to repentance. He's like, he, he treats all of mankind like the story of the prodigal son. He is standing and he is waiting and he is looking over the horizon, waiting for you to come home. <coughs> He's waiting for all to come home, but we don't because we get caught up in the world. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. It doesn't say he'll give you everything that you've ever wanted. The desires of your heart are not the Cadillac. They're not the million dollar home. They're not all of the things that the world would look at and think that's what we need. Because the world has a different perspective on what it is that makes us happy. The world has a different understanding and a different idea about what would bring you fulfillment and purpose and joy in your life. The psalmist writes here, if we commit our way to the Lord and trust in him, he will make our righteousness shine like the dawn. And what is it that is our righteousness? The greatest essence of our righteousness is Jesus. Because if it were not for him, none of us would have righteousness. If it were not for His sacrifice and His blood that was shed on the cross, none of us would have the opportunity to come before the throne of God, however mildly or boldly we choose to come. It is His righteousness that makes us righteous, and it is only through His righteousness that we are righteous. God will make our righteousness shine like the dawn. When you and I trust in Him, when we delight ourselves in Him, when we commit our way to Him, then all of a sudden, amazing things begin to happen. Amazing things take place in our lives. (coughs) And it's not the stuff, it's not the physical material things that we can put our hand on that He's talking about. It's the fact that when we do this, when we trust and place our delight in Him, then God shows up in amazing ways. And His Spirit shows up in amazing ways. And all all of a sudden, we have the opportunity to be the righteousness that shines like the dawn, because Christ is living through us through His spirit, and that comes out of us and it shines, and it leads other people to the light. When you and I think about our lives and our walk, God asks us to be still. He asks us to be patient. And it's in those moments of stillness and patience that he comes. Most important thing that he says in this passage is to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. It's the most important thing. But that is so much against our psyche sometimes. It's so much against how we have been trained and how we have been taught and how we've been educated to conduct ourselves, and to act, and to work in this world. But if we're not going to fret, then what would we do? If we're not worried and anxious about the things in the world, how is it that we should live? And the psalmist tells us, be patient, be still before the Lord, and wait on Him, because great things can happen. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his step firm. Though he stumble, he'll not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. The psalmist says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging bread. They're always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. I've been blessed over the last 15 years to make dozens and dozens of trips into Baja, Mexico. And there are a couple of things that have always impressed me about going down there. Number one, I don't care where you're at. I don't care what city you're in. Whatever church group that you're meeting with, They're absolutely some of the happiest people in the world you'll ever want to be around. And when they show up at the church, and they come to hang out with us, it is truly a blessed experience. Not because I'm there, because they're there. And because of the joy that fills their heart, fills the place. That's just who they are. Now I want you to realize, though, that that very, very few of them who live down there, live anything remotely like you and I live as far as their actual physical dwelling places. You, you get what I'm saying? They don't have the same kind of houses there. There are very few homes that are built down in Baja that look like anything that we live in. They don't have the, the same incomes that we have. They don't have the same clothing styles that we have. <coughs> they definitely don't have the same eating habits that we have. They eat at home. They eat a couple of meals a day. But they're happy and they're joyous. And they're filled with God's love and spirit for one another. And it's an amazing thing to get to be around them to experience that. They lend generously. They give things away all the time. They give to one another. They share with one another. We do that in our own way here. But I just want you to know when I go down there, there's an amazing spirit that exists there that is so different in many ways than what we have here in the United States. And it's just because... They've learned to live a life of patience. And they've learned to be still. I remember going into a store one day, it was a little hardware store, if you could call it that, in one of the little towns, and I was picking up some things, and a gentleman came in, and he bought five nails. Not a bag, not a pound, not a plastic container that pops open like you can get at Home Depot. He bought five nails. And the gentleman who was working at the counter said, Do you only need five? He said, yes, I only need five. And you know what I thought about? I wonder how long he's only needed five. I wonder how long he's been saving to get a few pesos to buy five nails. That's almost infathomable for us. Because if you and I need anything, we just go to the store and we buy a bag of stuff. Lynn and I went to, what was the store yesterday we went to? Sam's Club, that's it. I wanted to say smart and final, but I knew that wasn't right. We went to Sam's Club, and they hit me up for another 45 bucks just so I can get in there for the rest of the year. And we're walking around, and and, and we kind of have limited quarters and limited space, and we're looking at all of these things that you can buy, and we didn't buy hardly anything to take home and eat because it's in such large quantities we wouldn't know where to put it, if you get what I'm saying. But I've never gone in a store and bought five nails. Patience is a learned value. Being still with God is a learned experience. I remember when I was a child, there was a brother who preached in Indianapolis, Indiana, who could basically quote the entire Bible. You could read a verse of scripture anywhere in the Bible, Old or New Testament, and he would quote the three or four verses before and after. That blew my mind. I remember him being asked, how are you able to do that? And he said, I read it a lot. When my dad was still alive, one of the years that he, he would always go to the Freed Hardeman lectures. And I went one year with a gentleman from Atlanta, was there. We went over and I was there. And some of you may know the name, Brother Tom Holland. Tom taught at Freed Hardeman for years. He taught at Lipscomb for years. He was a preacher in the Middle Tennessee area all of his life. I, I think he's still there in, in the Nashville area. But I, stu- I was sitting in the balcony of the auditorium and I watched Tom Holland walk to the, to the podium. And he had a Bible. And I saw him bring the Bible and he, and he laid it on the podium just like that. And then he began to preach from the book of Ephesians. And he quoted, I had my Bible and I was open to Ephesians and I followed him. And he quoted the entire book of Ephesians. And he never, <laughs> he, he never opened his Bible. But he quoted the entire book. And I wondered, how did Tom do that? And I'm guessing it's because he read it a lot. I'm guessing it's because he probably didn't watch TV too much. And he probably didn't do a lot of other things too much. He committed himself. Some of you have been in the church all of your life, and your parents and your grandparents were in the church. And I suspect that some of you probably have had conversation with a parent or grandparent who was living their life before televisions came out and before radio really took over the world and, and all that they had to do in the evenings was sit around and read. Anybody have a conversation with a grandparent, something like that? There wasn't much to do except read. Isn't it amazing how well our previous generations knew the Word of God? Being still with God being patient with him is almost a lost art in our world because the world that you and I live in has taught us and trained us and exposed us to being so fast, so quick, so prepared, so everything's just in time that we've almost forgotten what it means to be still. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. So you see, I believe that God has asked us to wait patiently. And I don't know what's going on in your life. But I invite you this week to just step back from the busyness of the world to step back from the onslaught of the media, social media, broadcast media, all, just step back from all of that and turn it off and find out what it might be like to be silent and to be still and to wait patiently for God. I'm reading some interesting articles that are cropping up about the millennial generation. I read an article just recently that an individual has purchased, I think, the L.A. Times, and the reason that individual purchased the L.A. Times is because he believes that very soon millennials are going to want to hold paper again, which I find comforting in a way. And I read, I read an article just yesterday that said that the consumption of actual television time by the millennials and younger generations has been cut almost in half in the last three to five years. Now, I don't know if that's because they're now looking at all of it on their phone, on a two-inch screen instead of the 62-inch screen, but I'm encouraged that they're looking at less media. And I invite this church... To take a few minutes every day and to put down your phone maybe even turn it off or put it on airplane mode and put it in another room and turn off the TV and be silent and think about God for those of us who have to drive and I know there are a lot of us in the room who drive to work we go to the grocery store, we go all the places that we go just turn off the radio Turn off the podcast. Turn off the CDs. And just be still. And allow God to have a few quiet moments with you this week. And see what happens. Because I believe that as we walk with God and we're patient with him and we're silent with him... (coughs) great things can happen. And our minds will clear. And our spirits will clear. And there will be a peace about us, as the writer says, there will be a peace about us that passes all understanding. And then people will look at you and they'll say, how in the world are you able to be so calm? What is it about that? about you that allows you to go into these really, really tough situations and nothing seems to faze you and, and you come out and, you, and you're just as calm as, well, maybe it's because you've been in the presence of God and he's touched you in a way that he hasn't before and his righteousness is beginning to shine like the dawn. Brandon is going to come and lead us in a song. As we sing this song, I invite you to recommit your heart this week to being silent, to being quiet, to allow God to have some time with you in a very quiet place so that he may touch you in a way maybe you haven't been touched in a long time. And as this week passes, may his righteousness shine through you like the dawn. Let's stand and sing this song together. Wonderful, so wonderful is your unfailing love. Your cross has spoken mercy over me.